from a multitude of top secret, highly secure locations across South Texas. This is the regionally trending Spurs Insider podcast. I'm Mike Finger with Jeff McDonald and Tom Orsborne. And although Nick Talbot will not be joining us this week, we do have the minimum number of participants mandated by the NBA so we can go on. Unlike our local cagers, and that I guess is where we need to start. We're taping this Tuesday morning, Monday night. The Spurs finally, for the first time this season, had a game postponed due to COVID protocols. Is there anything that uh, either Tom or Jeff would like to say on this subject? Um, it felt like a, um, it felt like they dodged a bullet for a long time. Like you just you you would you would hear. Uh, all these games being postponed, all these teams having games postponed. Um, most of the league had, um, I think there were 21 games postponed before the Spurs got one. And um, sh- sure enough, um, it, it finally caught up with them. And I, and I think, like I said, I was surprised it took so long. I mean, everybody else was getting games postponed left or right because it doesn't take much um, to get into the, the contact tracing situation that both the Spurs and Pelicans got into. Um, and I'm surprised it hadn't happened before uh, a month into the season to the to the local cagers. As the- yeah, I filed a notebook uh, just a couple of hours before leading off with uh, Lonnie Walker uh, saying the night before, you know, how blessed they were to have dodged this. And uh, lo and behold, uh, you know, just a few hours later, the word came down from the NBA. So... Yeah, it was, uh, you know, I, I was on a Zoom call. Jeff was too with waiting for Stan Van Gundy and uh, they abruptly ended that call. And uh, yeah, it just happened really quickly. I believe the Spurs, I believe the Spurs were the 24th team in the league to have a, a, a game postponed by this. So, you know, along those lines that y'all were talking about, it's it's happened to just about everybody. And it probably, that number will probably get up to, to 30 uh, before long, but, but go ahead, Jeff, what were you going to say? It was, I guess it's, it's a coincidence. I mean, it's only a coincidence, but it was a funny coincidence that it came like right after they play the wizards, right? Where all the talk before that game was, was the wizards had had six games in a row postponed, hadn't played in, um, you know, in 13 days, you know, Scotty Brooks and all the wizards players were talking before that game about just how good it was to be back on, on the floor and how just awful it was to, almost not to be able to practice for that whole time, not even be able to get into your um, practice facility, not even be able to get together as a team for those 13 days. Um, Scott Brooks was talking about, you know, all they could, all they got to do was show up at the parking lot of their practice facility um, twice a day for that period to get tested. And if you saw a player and, you know, driving by in his car, you could wave, but you couldn't even roll down the window and talk to him. So all that was going on, um, Sunday night, that was the talk. You know, you, you mentioned that to Pop before the game. He's just talking about how badly he feels for the Wizards and how horrible that sounds, and, and that's just an impossible situation to deal with. And then, you know, 24 hours later, um, it, it hits the Spurs. I don't know that it'll be as bad as it was for the Wizards. They had an actual outbreak in their locker room. Um, so I, I don't imagine that the Spurs will be out of action for 13 days. I mean, we don't really know that at this point, but I wouldn't guess that. But it's just sort of funny that was already on everyone's brain um, about how terrible it is to have games postponed and have your schedule thrown out of whack. 
and then it hits the Spurs just immediately after that. To, to, and to be clear, we can't confirm as of this podcast exactly who it was that um, that triggered this contact tracing, but we can say some things that we know for sure. One of which, okay, first of all, they played Sunday night against the Wizards. Um, there were no COVID positives as of then. They traveled to New Orleans for the game Monday against the Pelicans. And every player in the traveling party, basically every player on the team had to do COVID tests that morning, correct? That is correct. Then as of Monday afternoon, these the Spurs put out their daily injury update. And I think it's safe to say that that injury update was posted after you one would expect that all of the morning COVID test results were in. And as of that injury update, the only player on the list was Derek White and his his broken toe. So if you if if the listeners out there who I know are highly intelligent listeners can can kind of put the two and two together, I think it would not be outrageous to assume that as of the morning tests, all was fine with, with the Spurs. Um, and that, and that it's possible that the positive test could have come from outside the locker room. And this was just a contact tracing thing. And like Jeff mentioned earlier, the NBA is becoming more and more cautious about this. Um, it doesn't take much to kind of trigger this, um, protocol in terms of who has had contact with someone who might have tested positive. So if all right. of that, if all of that kind of follows logically, there's a chance that nobody on the team itself actually has COVID. Now, the reason what? you do the, the reason you do the contact tracing is because they had, they had uh, uh, contact with someone who had it and they might've gotten it. But we don't know at this moment that anyone on the team has it. What it what it sounds like to me happened, and this is this is a lot of conjecture, a lot of just putting some puzzle pieces together. Um, there was some positive test somewhere from some that 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 players from both teams came in contact with. Um, this would this came to light um, pretty pretty late in the afternoon on Monday, pretty close to that tip off, and there just wasn't enough time to contract trace everyone. In order to clear them for the game, to me that that's 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 what happened. It, it, you know, maybe if this comes to light, you know, at 6 a.m. on Monday, they're able to get through all get through all the contact tracing and and get the game in. But it sounds to me, and again, just conjecture, this was sort of a late breaking event that they just didn't have time to unravel before the game was supposed to be played. Right, and that that could be the way this unfolded could bode well for the Spurs avoiding all those hassles that you mentioned earlier with the Wizards like this. I still think as of Tuesday morning, as we're taping this in our secure locations, if you, if you, if you set, what was it? The Wizards went 13 days without a game. If you set that as the over under, I, 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 I bet on the under for the Spurs yeah, in terms of yeah, when they'd come I, back. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And if they, you know, if the, if from here, the schedule goes on as planned, if, if you know, right now we don't know about Wednesday's game against Boston, um, as for, for now, it's still on. Boston was planning on on flying to San Antonio to, today, which we're taping this on on Tuesday. 
if that game goes on, it's almost kind of works out for the Spurs because they were in they were starting a five and seven stretch of games, and this kind of removes one of those back to backs, right? And gives them an extra little little breathing time, you know, assuming everything else works out for them. Obviously, it's not it's not great if four guys have COVID, which I don't think will happen. But um, if everybody's cleared, I think it ends up they end up kind of catching a break here. Bigger picture. This is just something. This probably won't be the last time for the Spurs. I mean, even if they oh, dodge yeah. this one, this is just something that the league is going to have to deal with probably until the playoffs. Um, and and I don't know whether the you know that's that's way too far down the line to know whether the playoffs go to a bubble or whether the vaccines are having their impact by then or or if things get better as as a nation as a as a world by then but i I think for at least the next couple of months until the until the ball tips off each night there's going to be questions as to uh as to whether the game's going to happen and that's just something we're going to have to adjust to yeah and it's uh you know i guess maybe it's a good thing fans aren't in the building at most of these places so you don't have to send them home right Right. Although there's there's a bunch of places that are starting to open up, so it's kind of interesting. On the one hand, you have games getting postponed left and right, and you have other arenas that are beginning to open at at some some form of capacity. It's it's kind of an odd juxtaposition, which I think is a word in English. That's one of the bigger words used on the Spurs Insider podcast, and that's why that's why listeners tune to this podcast and leave reviews, which I've I've been told helps us out, even when some of the reviews. I, I don't understand this. I, I, I've been told that some of the reviews mentioned that we might be condescending towards our listeners. And I, I, mean, I don't get I don't get that at all. I, I mean, I, I have nothing but praise for our listeners. Honestly, it's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Like those people are idiots. <laughs> um, but but yes, and I don't, I, you know, I'm not Buck Rogers. I don't I don't understand how the world of podcasting, you know, uh, the, how how it gets to these listeners. But I, I, it's been mentioned to me that it helps if people review it and on 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 the various interwebs and and uh, outlets where you get the podcast and say nice things, even if you don't totally, even if they aren't totally sincere. It's just nice to be nice. And, and we'd appreciate that. And also check us out at expressnews.com. Subscribe to the Spurs Nation newsletter. That's what this is all about. Hopefully we the Spurs Nation newsletter and expressnews.com will feature more game coverage. Um, and on that note, we can get to some of that game coverage since our last podcast. I think we we take the last one the day after the Portland game when things were going, that the, the team was soaring and you knew that there was going to be some bumps Eventually, the rest of that week was Golden State and Dallas. Uh, those games were kind of maybe a self-correction, regression to the mean in, in a way. And then the the Wizards game Sunday where they kind of beat up on a team that was in a bad spot. But what before before this Monday COVID story developed, what 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 were your guys' impression as to, to the on-court Spurs and, and where they were headed? It's still a team that's all over the map. It seems like every time we come, we reconvene here in our in our uh, secure locations to do take the temperature of the team. Um, it just veers all over the place, hot and cold. One week they looks like they're 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 soaring, and the next week it looks like they're back to being the worst team in the Western Conference. So <laughs> I don't. 
I think what we're what I'm kind of learning about this team, it's it's roughly a 500 team, maybe a little better than 500. And so, it, like you said, there's going to be weeks where there's a there's correction to the mean. Like it's it's hard to get. I don't know. I don't know what I'm trying to say. It's hard to get too. As soon as you start feeling like, wow, they've won four out of five games, and you know they're kicking butt on the road, and they beat the Lakers and the Clippers, and uh, they routed Portland, uh, you you kind of they kind of tend to bring you back down to earth. And maybe what I'm saying is that's just to be expected this season because this team is what it is, which is a decent team that's going to win some games and lose some games and end up kind of in that 500 area. Tomas? Yeah, I mean, a lot of talk after the the Dallas game out of the locker room was, you know, the slow starts, uh, slow start against Golden State. Slow start initially against Dallas before they, you know, they got back into the game and then fell behind by 18 in the second quarter. And it's interesting, you know, last year they were having the same conversations early in the season, albeit in November and December rather than in January. But, um, you know, you, you look at the, I looked at some of the quotes from last year from DeMar and it was almost word for word the same, uh, you know, just that frustration at, at how this team continuously, maybe not continuously, that's too much, but too strong, but they do tend to get off to slow starts and always, you know, not only in the first quarter, but the third quarter. And then they, you know, round back into shape in this in the second and fourth. But it's just, uh, it's frustrating for these guys and and I know for Pop as well that they just just can't seem to have the same energy they have early on that they have later in the game. Tom, well, do you know who I just I'm, I just realized who was way ahead of the curve? Ringo was that <laughs> was that reporter in Denver during the uh, right right <laughs> during the playoff series two years ago uh, before <laughs> before each that series went seven games. There's there's, <laughs> a, there's a pregame media availability with. Greg Popovich and Michael Malone before every game and before, before game one, game two, game three, game four, game five, game six and game seven. This reporter from Denver asked about the importance of the first quarter every time, every time. And, uh, uh, you know, we made fun of them, but you know, almost two years later, Spurs still struggling in the first quarter and they, they should have listened to the guy. Yeah. If you're talking about the if you're talking about the Spurs are having a having trouble getting out, you know, they're sluggish to start the first and third quarter. I'm not Red Auerbach, but it sounds like there might be a trouble with the uh with the starting lineup then. Yeah. Of course, uh, against Dallas, you you lose DeJounte Murray in the first minute. Yeah. Um but still it's Dallas. I mean, Porzingis and Doncic, uh, you know, they they were there at the beginning of the game, and Luca was there at the end of the game to to cap that yeah. one off. So it was just just tough guys to defend. Yeah, they were also down. No by matter 10. who's on the court, they were also down by ten to start that game against uh, the version of the Wizards that showed up here too. You know, mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. I can't put my finger on it, but if you're telling me, I'm just going by what you're telling me. If you're telling me they're having trouble with first and third quarters, it sounds to me like that's a starting lineup problem. I don't know that. But the fix so is, is there is there a solution there? Uh, I think they should. Uh, if you would have asked me this at this time last year, I would have said they should start Lonnie Walker. Yeah, 
But uh, that doesn't seem to be the solution because he is starting. So I don't know. So maybe you start Devin. <laughs> <laughs> start Devin Vassell and Trey Jones. And they got Eubanks back, right? Maybe he can play some. I'm I'm joking. I don't know what this I don't know what the solution is. Well well the, the flip side of that is um if if the starting lineup is is having those difficulties, then what does that say about how good the bench has been? And I mean I mean you you can look at those plus minuses of that Wizards game and and this actually made sense when you considered the Wizards were shorthanded, hadn't played in thirteen days. The the way the Spurs were going to have a huge edge was in depth and in um, I mean, endurance. And so, of course, they were going to come out with their hair on fire to start out the game. And that's not where the conditioning gets you. It's in the it's in the bench. And I think you know that was an extreme example because the Wizards hadn't played in two weeks. But the Spurs are their depth ranks up there. League wide, they they don't have the superstars. They are, you know, a five hundred, a borderline playoff team. But that's that's one of the, the the areas where they can really make hay, as is a saying that I heard in my youth: "Make hay while the sun shines." Except they meant it literally where you grew up, right? That's yes, that's true. Yeah. We did we did make hay. This was not a figurative thing. It in, was absolutely not figurative. I I hauled hay on the back of a flatbed truck. That was my summer job. But no one, no one cares about that. They care about the the hay that the Spurs bench is making and hauling. And uh, Jeff, you mentioned, I think on Twitter that uh, like Patty Mills is actually getting some attention for sixth man of the year this year. He's he's had a really good year. Pop is coming close to sort of pumping that. You know, the Pop isn't big on on uh, you know. You know, uh, anything advertising for awards and stuff, but he even he's he's not he's not saying six man of the year award, but he's saying Patty's doing what he does for us off the bench is important and he's doing it better than anybody in the league, which I think is a quote from the other day. Yeah. So, yeah, even he is is sort of, um, uh, uh, you know, fueling some of that recognition for Patty Mills. And I haven't looked at what every other bench player in the NBA is doing and what I mean, it's way too early to look at those awards, but. You know, Patty's having a great year off the bench for him. That's all you can say. He, he for the most part, he is being FIBA Patty. He does have those. He's had a game or two where he's won for freaking thirteen, and that doesn't help. But God bless him. He keeps firing away, and and I guess that's what you want in that role. Yeah. Um, and and in terms of tinkering, I, I know you were being sort of facetious about the lineup thing because honestly, I'm not sure what the obvious lineup move would be. Um. And, and first of all, I don't think it's a huge problem, the starting lineup. I think that's those that they're, they're playing the guys they should be playing. When we were talking about lineups a year ago, we were talking about like we still had what Aldridge and Pirtle playing together. You know, there was it, it was way more lumbering, at, at least now with this lineup. They're, they're playing Brent Forbes. You know, they were obvious guys that were candidates to move to the bench a year ago. Now you're not, no matter how many people complain, how much he struggles, like LaMarcus Aldridge is not going to move to the bench. Um, and I'm not even saying he should, I, I think because like Jeff and Tom, you both pointed out in the past, w- when does LaMarcus have his, his best games? What is, what is the common denominator when LaMarcus plays great? It's when he starts great. Right. Yeah. So like if it, it would be kind of, counterproductive 
in that way to start him on the bench when when Lamarcus at his best is is scoring you know eight points in the first four minutes. So maybe there's something to if he hasn't started well, get him on the bench in the first few minutes, let him reset and and go from there. But I don't think. Uh, you know, when, when Tom mentioned looking up stories from a year ago and some of the frustration that was there from DeMar and what have you, like th- this team is in a much different place now than it was a year ago. Um, I, I, I think the, the optimism is is higher. I think they have a much better feel for what they want to do. Um, even though they're having some of the same problems in terms of slow starts, I, I just think um, – it's kind of apples and oranges between the beginning of, of, of last year and this year. I mean, going back, going back, going back, going back to LaMarcus, they just need him to play better, more consistently. Yeah. He's had some, he's had some good games this year and he's also had some clunkers. They need him to be more even feel. I think, I mean, I don't think it's, I don't think it's much of a, this is not a coincidence that the last time the Spurs really did get off to the, to a good start and open a game like gangbusters was in Portland when LaMarcus took six of their first seven shots and made four of them and was right. just on fire. Like when, when they can get him going, it just seems like everything else is just so much easier for them. And, and you see, he had this stretch where it was four points or 20, four points or 20, like game, game to game. Yeah. Like he alternated four points, then 20, four points, then 20. And they, they just need a, a, a higher level of consistency from him. I mean, he's not going to be the the um, all-star he was three, four, six, seven years ago. He's not going to be that guy. But if they could just have a guy that they, can, they know what they're going to get from him on a nightly basis, I, I think that might iron out some of these slow starts. Yeah, you know, maybe – Maybe DeMar, in a, in a way, is talking about himself. I mean, he's, he's such a player that has to gain a feel for everything, you know, and he's talked about that. He, he has to gain a feel for how the defense is playing him and, and so forth before he, he gets it going. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm sure that he definitely is talking about himself in that way. I mean, he's, he's – as self-critical as anybody in the league. But one thing I'll say about DeMar, and we've noticed this about him since he came to San Antonio in in the Kawhi trade. Like he is not one, unlike LaMarcus, I think, he is not one to let some early struggles slow him down. Like he's going to keep at it. And how many games have we seen of his where he he looks completely lost in the first quarter and, and the first half and then just kind of pours it on at the end. Um, I, I, I do think that even some of his critics out, out there have to admire the way he, he, he perseveres through some, some tough situations. Um, and, you know, that's, there, there have been some games in the past three years that he hasn't finished great, you know, in the last minute or two. But there's been a lot of them where he's overcome some early misses and 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 gotten on a second half roll. And um, I think that just having him around is is a big benefit when the Spurs do get off to slow starts because they they do tend to uh, to come back from a lot of them, and even if they don't come all the way back from a lot of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I you know maybe the slow start isn't necessarily the first couple of minutes it's just falling into those big holes those double digit holes uh, that they tend to get into yeah yeah 
takes a lot of energy to get out of it. I, I haven't looked into how much of an anomaly this is in the league. It, it seems like every game that the Spurs are behind double digits or ahead double digits and things even out. I, I have a feeling that's sort of common throughout the league, um, but away from the, you know, the Lakers and the Clippers and, and teams like that. Um, the, it's, it's a cliche, but it's a game of runs. And I, going back to something we talked about earlier, I, th- I think just the fact that the Spurs have such, so much faith in their bench um, helps in terms of, of avoiding those prolonged downswings where there's always somebody they can bring off the bench to kind of help things out. Um, it, we don't know when the next game will be. We, As of right now, we're assuming it will be Wednesday against the Celtics, and I guess we can operate – for the rest of this podcast under the assumption that the Spurs will be playing the Celtics on Wednesday at home, the Nuggets and the Grizzlies on Friday and Saturday in a back-to-back. These are all um, possible playoff teams, probable playoff teams, more tests for the Spurs before the schedule eventually eases up a little bit. What are the keys, assuming they're playing, to weathering this this next stretch, Jeff McDonald? I was going to say the keys are uh, negative COVID tests for one. Yeah, um, but That's, uh, I don't. I'm, it seemed like last week we talked about how the schedule gets lighter. When does that start? Because they played the Wizards, and then it's just a bunch of like after the All Star break. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think that's what I'm starting to notice. I, you know, when the Spurs were a 60 win team every uh-huh. year, you could look at these stretches that look like, well, that's a pretty soft stretch. When you're a 500 team, every <laughs> every stretch is tough. Like everybody yeah. can beat you, you know. So, um, you know, Boston is is getting some bodies back, so they're they're going to have closer to a full complement of, of players, and they're a team that people you know people for years have they've been one of the better teams of the Eastern Conference. Denver's playing great. Um, the Spurs did go down to Memphis and, and beat the Grizzlies on the opening night, but they did give up 44, 44 points to John Morant. So uh, obviously that's a dangerous team. You know, there's there's no gimmies on that schedule coming up, even if you do have the um, negative COVID tests. The road trip, uh, the rodeo trip, they start off with Atlanta, Charlotte, Detroit, Cleveland. But even those teams, you know, they the Knicks. Yeah, yeah and that's the Knicks. what I'm talking about. In the old days with the Spurs, you'd, that you'd look at that as like that's the start of a rodeo trip. They're going to just roll through. Um, uh, but I don't, I don't, I don't feel comfortable. I mean, there those are all teams the Spurs could beat. Um, certainly, like it's better than playing, you know, the the, the best teams in the league to start that trip. Right, but still, right. They can lose all those games to any of those teams. Like none of those are gimmies. Right. Yeah. I have a feeling that I mean what what you said is true. All those games are losable. But I have a feeling that this is the year when they go back to the the annual routine from several years back of peaking or 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 starting the the upward trend at the on the rodeo trip. You know, um, as as people are always saying about you, you're the most optimistic son of a gun that I know. So many people say that, including, so many people saying that. including in the reviews for our podcast, where I think, uh, I, Ernest, I, don't know this, I don't know this for sure, earnest, delightful, I think people say, yeah. um, just a joy to be around. 
you know, that's that's how I try to live my life. You're the light of a lot of people's lives. Like what you dark see clouds. is what you get yeah. with Mike Finger. And what you see is just joy. Joy of living. <laughs> um, but what I was the saying light. what I was You're saying was the world. That's true. For many <laughs> years during the Greg Popovich, Tim Duncan, Tony Parker, Monica Ginobili era, and our listeners know this. You know, when the Spurs would start their road trip, and a lot of times the road trip, the, the, the rodeo road trip looked more daunting than it does this year. That's when they'd come together. That's when they'd hit their stride. That's when they'd become the team, as as Pop said many times, that, that's when they kind of found themselves and, and became the team they eventually would become down the stretch. Um, that hasn't been the case the past few years for a number of reasons. They're, they're not as, they weren't as good as they used to be. Uh, the 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 rodeo trips in recent years have, have included some pretty brutal West Coast swings. Um, but this year, I think the combination of the road disadvantage isn't what it used to be during COVID. Um, they're playing some teams in the East. I think they're the, the team is younger and, and, and probably more likely to be – be able to weather the the the, the demands of, of of a trip like this. I, I just think I, th- I think there's a possibility that this could be a good rodeo trip for them, and that's that's still you know a month or so away. But um, an- another thing I want to mention while I'm being rosy and and upbeat, looking at the uh, the Buck Rogers staff at five thirty eight dot com where they crunch the numbers and play games on paper. And all that kind of stuff. Spurs 58% chance, according to their projections, of making the playoffs, which means a top eight seed this year. More likely than not, according to the nerds, of making the playoffs. So it's not just me that is that is that is looking at the this 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 bright side of things. What 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 do you guys feel about that? Is 58% to be a top eight seed, does that sound I, right? I just, I think five thirty eight just has some bias in their state polling, so that they, they can't. You know, I'm not, I don't know sure how accurate they are. We might be surprised on election day. Yeah, is that an know. area code? <laughs> five thirty eight <laughs> is not an area code. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was in Massachusetts or Vermont or something. But that's a pretty good. That's a pretty good reference there, Ringo. <laughs> Um, yeah, so we're, we're hitting the end of this, like always, because of the host of this podcast is known for joy. We like to end on a positive note. And so we're going to choose to believe that the Spurs, the local cagers will be back on the court. If not Wednesday, then soon. And that music played by our producer is, is just a great part of the show. Our, our, our weekly affirmation. That uh, just look on the bright side. Over here. Look on the bright side. Think about the good stuff. Take care of each other. And as always, keep it real. <laughs> <laughs>